This is the Macmillan Library Podcast, a community conversation maker, bringing you curated conversations with Macmillan librarians, community members, authors, musicians, artists, and more. Welcome back to the MCM Podcast. Today we have Tara Mansell on, who is a yoga instructor at the Wellness Barn located right across the street from the library. She's a registered yoga teacher through Yoga Fit and also a registered member of Yoga Alliance. On January 15th, Tara will be teaching a class, Gentle Yoga with Tara Mansell. It will be a gentle vinyasa flow for the body, mind, and spirit. In this practice, we will synchronize breath with movement through a flowing series of basic asanas and sequences. This gentle flow is designed to develop balance, build strength, and increase flexibility, leaving students with reduced stress, inner calm, and heightened awareness. All levels are welcome. Modifications will be offered. Registration is required for this class. You can register online or at the information desk. We plan to have more yoga classes in the future, so any feedback you have on this one would be appreciated. And on the podcast today, Tara talks about getting certified, her passion to help people be healthy, and she tells us about some techniques that you'll be able to use right away. We hope you enjoy it. Now here is Tara. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into yoga? Sure. Um, First off, thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, so we'll see how everything goes. Um, Yeah, my name is Tara Mansell. I've been in the yoga industry now for about, um, I think I got my certification in 2010. So I've been in the industry for seven plus years, but been a student for over 17 years. Uh, My yoga journey got started when I was a student um, going to school in lacrosse. Um, And it started just kind of very different and not typical to what other people's journeys have started. But um, I was working at one day at the gym. They didn't have enough people to run the, the yoga class. So they were kind of just going around a treadmill to treadmill and asking people if they would be interested in doing it. So I gave it a shot and I told myself I would never go back. I did <laughs> not like my first class at all. Um, I ate prior to coming to the gym that night, which is Typically, I don't end up doing, Um, but I did, and I got sick. So I think it was all the twists and the binds and everything that we did first class that just didn't interact well with my digestive system by all means. So um, why I decided to give it a second chance is because when I was a freshman in college, I started to experience um, anxiety pretty bad to the point where it was even hard for me to like sit in a classroom. So people had recommended, maybe you should try yoga. Yoga is really good for, you know, calming and centering your mind and focusing and, you know, bringing you into the present. So I went back and pretty soon I started going two times a week, then three times a week. And it was three times a week for two years until I left lacrosse and then came to Wisconsin Rapids. So Yoga kind of came to me versus me coming to yoga. Um, But after I got started, I realized the 
benefits just from reducing stress in my life, um, ways to see things differently than what I was viewing them at that time, um, learning to be less reactive to situations and being more proactive to my health in general. Um, yoga just brought me to be a lot more mindful, uh, mindful of the ways that I was treating myself, treating others, what I was putting into my body. Um, so my journey, like I said, just kind of started. Um, it approached me, and it was the the greatest gift that has come my way, um, you know, to get started with yoga. Was it immediately uh, beneficial, like the first class or first two, or did you have to get encouragement to stick with it and like if you keep going you like you'll finally it will click or did it click right away um first class no it definitely didn't click right away first class i was feeling more of the physical sensations of the practice uh, my muscles were sore my core was sore um at the end shavasana which is supposed to be the place of bliss and harmony where you come to at the end of practice where you restore and you just feel like your internal batteries have been recharged that wasn't the place that i was at my first class um it wasn't until after like two weeks into it that i really started to notice how just my different way of breathing was helping me relax so much more. So I would say it was like two weeks before I actually really felt like this was something that was going to be a lifelong thing for me. And at that time, my what came into my life as soon as it came in removed from my life because I was shifting so quickly, so fastly. But yoga was something that once I started to feel those benefits, I knew that it was going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I usually am stuck in that muscles sore phase. Yeah. So I've come from a sports background and the breathing doesn't come natural to me. It's more natural to hold my breath and try to get the pose or get as deep as possible. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so I'm always like tearing my body apart. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so common. That's what people think that if you're holding a pose, also hold your breath because it's supposed to help, you know, you stay in the pose a little bit better and complete opposite. And you find that once you're in the poses, if you breathe through them, you are easier to let your muscles relax and absorb into the pose. So yeah, it's it's common when I hear people saying, I just can't get my breath to stay with me in the pose. I hold my breath. And when you come out of the pose or transition into another one, that's when you notice that you've been holding your breath. Because all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's like you get this rush of either heat or energy or the gasp to take the breath in. And when did you decide that teaching yoga was something that you would want to do? Teaching yoga didn't actually come to me until um, I got a job here in Wisconsin Rapids, and it was a good job. I really liked it. It was um, secure, and you could definitely move up, but it wasn't something that I was passionate about. And yoga has really taught me to just look at life completely differently, and instead of do what you think that you should be doing as far as making the good money, um, staying with a job that has good benefits. That just wasn't what I felt like I should be doing. Um, so one day I kind of just had enough of what I was doing and I was still obviously continuing to do yoga as a student. And I thought to myself, you know, if yoga has brought about these wonderful changes in my life, um, why can't I teach this to other people? And so it was in 2009 that I actually started the, the teaching path. 
Um, and it really was from my first foundational class, because that was the introduction to yoga that I took for my certification, just learning the foundations. I knew that right then I was on the right track to what I should be doing. And how long did it take to get certified? And did that change your perspective on yoga at all, transitioning from student to being a teacher? Um, not right away. Um, that transition hasn't been made, I would say, within like the last few years is when I really started to notice the difference of being a teacher versus being a student. Because when you're a teacher, it's obviously not your practice. You're doing what you can for the students. So even though you're doing the poses to demonstrate so they can see what they're doing, it's it's definitely so much different than me going to a class and having my own practice. So it's 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 changed a lot. And uh, how long it took me to get certified? It was just over a year. I got certified through Yoga Fit. So their trainings, um, you could attend them, you know, on the weekends, you could attend them, you know, I mean, whatever your schedule permitted, they, they have trainings all the time in all sorts of different locations. So thankfully for me, I was able to do a lot of trainings at the universities that were close and nearby. Um, so I was able to, get done with it quicker than what a lot of people do. Um, you know, they allow up to like five to seven years to get certified before oh, wow. you have to like lapse and then take them over again. Mm -hmm. um, so I was happy, but I mean, I followed my heart and that was exactly what I knew that I wanted to do. So it's not like I wanted to get in and get done and, you know, transitioned into that next phase of my life. I really wanted to absorb it too. And going through all the different aspects of being a teacher, it opened up my eyes to how much more respect I have for the teachers because of how much they need to learn and like how the different diversity that you deal with too and how to handle all of that. Um, so it's definitely been, you know, a journey and it's ongoing. You know, it's it's not that there's ever a destination. There's always a journey. Do you have any more goals for learning? Any more certifications or is, is this one it? No, um, I want to continue on. And I mean, I, I do. I do a lot of um, online certifications. So um, next year, what my big thing is wanting to go to Aruba. So there's this um, girl, her name is Yoga Girl, uh, but her name is Rachel Braven. And she's just been one that I've been following for a while. I really like her ethics and her morals and how her approach is to teaching. Um, so that's something that, you know, is on my bucket list for 2018. And then to do, you know, more specialty classes at the studio, uh, because right now I do yoga for stress and anxiety. And I really feel like to have that educational background of how to teach it, but then also having that personal experience from what I went through, having both of those and marrying them together, I really think that it's been a well-received class. Um, this is my second session of teaching it. So we've been in almost 18 or 16 weeks of teaching it. Um, and it's, it's my most popular and well-attended class and it's uh, maxed out each time that I've offered it. So I know that there's, you know, you want to know what students are looking for and what to offer them, but that was one that came from my heart. So how exactly does yoga help with stress and anxiety? Personally, for me, without, you know, having any like research to say, oh, this is what they say, how it benefits, for me, breath 
I mean, if you can learn how to breathe through things instead of feeling like you need to move away from things, um, it's such a different approach. And I think yoga teaches you to be more mindful of things. And when you're mindful, you're not of the past and you're not in the future. And oftentimes when you're thinking of things of the past, it's where sadness or anger or um, bitterness or resentment comes from because it's things that happened in the past and you have no control over them anymore. Same thing with the future. That's when feelings of anxiety start to present themselves because you're anticipating things and you don't know what. Yoga teaches you to be in the moment. And what is available to you in the moment is your breath. And so oftentimes in class, I say, when your mind begins to wander, just turn your attention back to the way that you are breathing and just focus on how good it feels to utilize your entire lung capacity to take a full inhale and to let that exhale out. Um, So combination of the breath, the movements that we were doing, because when you're under stress, your muscles just completely tense up. They are like a rubber band where they don't want to expand and contract. But when you're doing it, all sorts of different poses, your muscles are expanding and you're breathing into them and you're letting all sorts of blood flow and oxygen into those areas. And it's just, that's good for your overall, you know, physical body to let stress out. And then at the end, when we do our meditation, I mean, it just kind of seems like from beginning to end, everything encompasses what it is that you need. And I always tell the students, take what you need from the practice and leave the rest. You know, instead of feeling like you should feel this, feel what you should feel. And if you came to class tonight to reduce some of your stress, focus on that. So if your mind does drift, remind yourself that you're here for you, not anybody else, not any other responsibilities or to-do list to worry about. This is all about you. So I think when people can have that approach to being more mindful, stress doesn't disappear but you learn how to deal and manage your stress a lot differently. What kind of breathwork techniques could you tell people about that they could practice like right now? Maybe someone's listening and they're stressed out. What what can they do right now? Oh, yeah. My go-to is um, deep diaphragmic breathing. Sometimes it's called the complete breath. So it's basically you start at the lowest portion of your abdominals, which is right around the diaphragm an inch or two below your navel center. And you imagine that that area of your body is like a balloon that you are expanding. So when you inhale, you feel your diaphragm literally lift and expand. And then your rib cage opens up to accept more air and oxygen. And then the breath works its way up to the heart center right around the collarbone area. So that's the full inhale. And then at the top of the inhale, there's a pause. And in that pause, you don't think of anything. You just enjoy just being. And then when you exhale, you just feel everything work its way all the way back down. And when you get to the diaphragm area, when you exhale, it's almost like you're deflating the balloon. So those are two, I guess, two different types of breathing, the complete breath and the balloon breathing. Um, So if people can associate an image to something, they're more so, it's easier for them to say, okay, now I know how to do this. So just imagine that your diaphragm is like a balloon that you are expanding and deflating with your inhales and your exhales, but allow the breath to work all the way up and then let the breath go all the way back down. And even at the end of the exhale, there's a pause there too. And enjoy that pause. Enjoy that moment of just being still where you don't have to think about anything else. You know that your next breath is coming. It just happens naturally. Um, But that's usually one that we'll start our practice with just so people can tune into their physical body, 
Um, let go of their monkey mind. And it is such, you can do it for maybe eight to 10 cycles and you'll notice right away that you start to feel less stressed and more calm um, and just, you know, more in the moment. Yeah. And who who is yoga for? If someone's listening to this and they're like, ah, uh, I'm not very athletic. I probably can't do it. Like, can that person still do yoga? For sure. Absolutely. 100%. Yoga is for every body. So everybody, it's for everybody. So I've had students as young as my kids. Um, so my daughter is just over two and my son is just over four. And I've had them doing yoga ever since they were just babies when we did back time and tummy time. And the eldest student I've had is 103. Wow. So it's a wide range. And there's classes that are more tailored to the needs of different people. So if somebody is listening and saying, well, you know, I, I'm a very athletic person, uh, but I'm completely not flexible. I can't even touch my toes. You know, you could go to uh, um, the gentle yoga class, which will help you get a foundation of, you know, what the poses are and how your body receives the poses. But definitely, I mean, there is not anyone that I would say, I'm sorry, yoga isn't for you, because there's so much that you can receive from, from it. And a lot of people, they'll come because say they have tight hamstrings, but then they go through like an eight-week session and all of a sudden they say, I had shoulder pain and now all of a sudden I don't have the shoulder pain anymore. Or at nights I wasn't able to sleep and I just focus on meditation or my breath and all of a sudden my nights are, you know, more restful and calm. So it's interesting what brings people to yoga, but then what happens throughout their journey too. So yoga, you know, is for everybody. Yeah, I first started doing it when I was researching different things to keep my body from being injured for like rock climbing and mm. stuff, different stretches that I needed to keep doing. Yeah. And I find even though I'm a relatively strong person, even a class, it all is kind of tailored to you know, what your own body can do. So it's still, when I, if I thought yoga would have been really easy, I went to a class and it was incredibly incredibly hard maybe even more so for someone who has muscle because you're trying to hold up your arms hold your muscles in these positions where you never hold them you're just like right. swinging a, a weight or a ball one way but now you have to hold all that muscle mass in one spot and that's really a really intense workout actually it is it is you never think isolating your own muscles and holding your arms out from your shoulders is going to be anything that's strenuous but come into a warrior too and your body will let you know different muscles that you're not accustomed to using or just using them in that way and your body will let you know that wow i yoga is it's challenging but it's not challenging to the point that it wants it turns you away from doing it it challenges to the point that you want to keep coming back and doing it and so if someone's listening and they are kind of interested where would a good entry point be like a dvd a cd should they go and get a mat should they go to a class should they read a book i mean there's so many and there's again and there's so many different styles that they could research and go do i want to do this kind of yoga do i want to do that kind like it might be overwhelming for someone who's just thinking oh yoga simple subject i'll get into it but then boom this whole right. world opens up yeah and it can be overwhelming and it can be intimidating especially for people who have never been to a class setting um 
My recommendation for people is, and it's to each their own. You know, some people are want to do yoga at their house. Some people want to research yoga and then do it. Some people enjoy coming to a class. For me, step into a studio. Um, any studio, you know, when we have studios, obviously here in Wisconsin Rapids, there's close ones nearby as well. Step into the studio and get a feel for what yoga really is. Um, gentle yoga class is something that I always say, if this is the first time you're meeting a studio or meeting your mat, a gentle yoga class is going to be so beneficial for you because we move at a little bit of a slower pace so you can learn how to get into the poses correctly how they feel for your body. You get a good indication of how it feels for your body to be in the pose. Um, and we do, you know, all the components of, you know, everything that yoga, you know, encompasses in the gentle yoga class. So it really gives a good introduction to a yoga class. Sometimes um, people enjoy doing one-on-ones, you know, because for whatever reason, Yoga can be intimidating, and it's not that yoga itself is intimidating. It's what our ego minds tell us is intimidating, and we think that we can't do it because we're not flexible or, you know, we're of a certain age or, you know, we're of a certain weight that we can't do yoga. But as soon as you get into the class, you'll see that it's such a non-competitive environment. Everybody is there for different reasons, but everybody comes together, and it's just – it's like a, a little social group. Um but everybody, everybody is there on their mats. And I always tell people, you know, imagine that you're here by yourself um, if they're not doing one-on-ones. And how would you move your body? How would you breathe? How would you, like, do modifications? Because a lot of times people don't want to do modifications because they say, uh, I feel like I'm not doing the pose then. Um, but long answer to your question would be, you know, step inside the studio I always find that making the connection with the instructor is such a big thing because instructors do care about their students. They're not there just to teach and say, okay, I did my job for the day. They're there because they're compassionate about what they do. They care about the well-being of their students. And, um, you know, you fill out enrollment forms and instructors want to get familiar with you. You know, if you have something that you're taking care of, something that we should know of, we want to make sure that your practice is as best um, and comfortable for you um, as it can be. So DVDs and books are all great, but sometimes the accountability factor is a huge thing too. So you could do a DVD one day and say, oh, I did it. I'm done. But to really generate transformation as far as what yoga can bring to your life, consistency is key. And I guess that's basically with anything in life. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, everybody's style is different. So DVDs are good, books are good. But honestly, I think the best way to approach your first yoga class is to step into one. Yeah, the class is good for making you get through the whole hour or whatever it is. If there's a DVD, sometimes it's, it's hard to get through the whole thing, especially if it gets a little bit difficult or uncomfortable then it's easy just to be like oh i'm done for the day right (laughs) i'll come back to this later but (laughs) if if you're in class it's a little little more strange to roll up your mat in the middle of class and leave (laughs) (laughs) yes and too when you're at home you have all of those distractions unless you have like a space that you set aside to do your exercising. Um, you know, you could see laundry piling up looking at you. You could see dishes. You could have your kids on your mat with you, your dogs, your cats. And it really takes away from 
you know, the practice in itself, because then you're distracted and you're not focusing in on what you're doing. And, you know, when we're not focusing on what we're doing, you can put yourself at risk for injuries too. So to have a place to go to, to where it's just you, um, is such a good, good, um, space to practice in. But And besides stress and anxiety and the other benefits we were talking about, is there, are there some other things that maybe would pique people's interest that you know of that yoga is beneficial for? Yeah. Um, muscle tone, weight loss, um, are two of like the biggest things people are like, well, will yoga get me into shape? And it definitely will. And I don't think it's just because of what you do on your mat. It's what yoga teaches you on your mat, which you then practice into your daily life about just being more mindful and how to fuel your body nutritiously and what your body really needs. So there's a lot of takeaways that you can learn on the mat and you know, and start to incorporate into your daily lives. But yoga is good for athletes. Um, it's good to reduce high blood pressure. It's good for your cardiovascular system, um, healing injuries. I mean, there's just, to me, I don't think there's an end to what yoga is good for because I hear people say all sorts of different things weekly. And I'm just amazed at what I hear. You know, even like Sometimes we do different eye exercises because I have a lot of um, students that are behind a desk all day long and they're staring at a, you know, a computer screen. So we do yoga for our eyes and the next day they'll say, I cannot believe how refreshed my eyes feel. And so it's just, there's so many different benefits that you can receive from a practice. What what does eye yoga entail? I'm oh, interested. Eye yoga. So you close your eyes, place your hands over your eyes because sometimes, you know, the eyelids like to flutter. So to close out the light completely, you place your hands over your eyes and you just do different exercises from looking up, looking down, looking left, looking right. And then imagine like you're tracing like a small letter T, but then to do it in one direction, do it in the opposite direction, do circular movement as far as clockwise and counterclockwise. Um, hold where the eyes are looking as well. So it's not that you're moving your head at all. It's completely done by your eyes. So when you're looking over to your right, we hold for a little while, feel, you know, the nerves of the eyes stretch and expand, stretch over to the other side. So it's basically just shifting the way that your eyes are looking up, down, left, right, circular, um, you know, clockwise, counterclockwise. Um, but it's really good for your brain too, because you're crossing over the hemispheres of your brain, like when you're looking down towards the tip of your nose. And that's really good for focus and memory and concentration. Yeah, so. I've heard just like writing your name with your left hand helps your brain or just doing things like, oh, I'm good at playing baseball with swinging this way. Yeah. Let me try to do it the other way, even though you're terrible at it, it makes you better at the other way, kind of. Right. Right. It's And just think about how much more mindful you are and how much more focused you are on doing that because it's not accustomed to what you're used to doing. Yeah, so the muscle memory doesn't just take over. Exactly. You have to think about, oh, the correct position is actually this, stay there. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so that eye yoga helps people with uh, eye screen f fatigue? Yes, yeah. And then even for headaches, a lot of people get like tension headaches, um, leads to migraines, or just have that overall feeling of fatigue in their eyes. And it really helps even with like the moisture of the eye to bring more lubrication to the eyes too. So it does, um, and you know, you think of where your eyes are at. So that whole area affects like the forehead, the cheekbones, around the temples. So that whole area where a lot of stress is stored just from 
stimulation of looking at things all day long, it just seems like it really helps to just refresh the eyes and just make the eyes feel so much better instead of at the end of the day, how they typically feel. Yeah, I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. um, probably most people have some sort of eye fatigue nowadays because <laughs> can't get away without looking at computers or screens for a lot of the day, usually. Right, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite pose? Ooh, <laughs> three favorite poses. I can't choose between the three. <laughs> so triangle pose, um, triangle pose. I just feel like your whole body breathes in that pose in a different way than a lot of other poses. Um, your arms are stretched out from your shoulders. Your legs are stretched out and away from your hips. The way that you position yourself in the pose is like strength, flexibility, balance, all kind of thrown into one. So triangle would be one of my favorites. Um, balancing half moon is another one because I find that to be challenging. Um, you know, especially it's a balancing pose. So you're, you know, shifted to one side. You've got one leg lifted, one arm lowered, the opposite arm stretching and reaching high. And the tips of your fingers, you just kind of hover over the floor or sometimes I'll bring hand to heart center. And to me, it's just a very grounding exercise or, or pose to do. And I find that I do that one um, when I do need just instant centering and calm. Um, and another one, legs up the wall. That's just mm. a nice, easy go-to pose where it's good for um, oh, fatigue. So if your mind is just a mess at the end of the day or beginning of the day, if that's what happens sometimes, um, it's just good for focus, concentration, headaches. Um, it's an uplifting pose with your legs lifted above your heart. You feel all of the blood flowing in the opposite direction. So as we all know, we're on our feet more than we are on our backs or our legs over our head. So it's really good to just reverse the blood flow. Um, good for the legs, restless legs. So um, that's another go-to one. And headstand. Yeah, I've read that inversions are the kings of yoga poses oh, and books. They are. <laughs> they are. They're, they're like my happy pose. I always tell people if two o'clock is usually when people hit that slump of like, okay, give me another cup of coffee or let me take a nap. And two o'clock is when I'm inverting. My head is down, my legs are lifted and I could be in that pose for just even a minute. And I come down and I just feel like I've just got rejuvenation. I feel like I can tackle the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, it feels really good. It is, it's it. empowering. Yeah. And it's weird when I, when you do like a headstand and you come out of it, all of a sudden there's this rush where you can just like hear everything really good. Like your hearing increases like threefold for a little bit until yeah. you reassimilate. <laughs> right. Because think of like even blood flow and oxygen all rushing through into your brain. So it's clarity. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's a good pose. And a lot of people are like, oh, headstand. Is she going to try to teach us headstand in a gentle yoga class? No, that doesn't happen in a gentle <laughs> yoga class. <laughs> uh, any favorite or any like teachers that you'd recommend that have books or dvds or any yoga book that you found really helpful during this journey um you know through the training you there's required materials that you need to take uh, or you need to purchase and i can't say one over the other that has been like my go-to guide because i feel like there's been so much that i've learned from each and every one of 
the manuals that I've had or even just books that they've required. Um, but I don't know, the go-to girl that I go to for yoga, one that I just enjoy her practice is Rachel Brathen. She's yoga girl. Um, she's got a book, Yoga Girl. It's a very good um, book. And I find that I learn best from people who got into the yoga industry from something that they needed to heal, something that happened to them that now yoga has changed the way that they view things. Um, you know, and not that I don't appreciate you know, instructors that are in it for the athletic aspect of it or anything like that. But I just really resonate more with, you know, people who have come from a place of needing to heal, needing to transition, um, kind of like how I got into yoga. Awesome. Any final, final words for anyone listening to this, thinking about starting to do yoga? Um, don't be intimidated. You know, if you're curious about a yoga class, just pop in that instructors are more than warm and welcoming to have new students. Uh, we'll take you under our wing. We've got, um, you know, props that you can use. So don't have to worry about having to buy everything, but best advice just to step onto a mat and just experience yoga and realize what it can do for your mind, your body, um, for your breath and just for your life in general. Um, so yeah, my recommendation is hit the mat. Great. Thanks for coming down. Yeah. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We hope you use this information to strike up a local conversation. We believe in the power of community and story here at the library, and we have plenty of stories in book, ebook, CD, DVD, and magazine form. Check us out at macmillanlibrary.org to see upcoming events, including concerts, speakers, movies, and more. We also have free online classes through Gale Courses, as well as a host of databases for your research needs. If you can't find what you're looking for, stop in at the Information Desk. The Macmillan Conversation Maker podcast can be found at macmillanlibrary.org backslash podcast. 